Keys with it, man! Whoa! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his nose. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you caught it. It's out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. You'll never see that again. You think you've seen it all, don't you? Welcome to the SC Playable BBL podcast, the third of our pre-season episodes. Proudly brought to you, as always, by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. Joining me this week, before that, my name's Tim Williams, your host of your show. Former Sydney Sixers media manager, not me, it's Maxie Bryden. Maxie, how are you, mate? G'day, Tim. Doing well. G'day to all of you. I'm glad you remembered your name. Um, oh. Thanks for that, mate. But yeah, going well. Super excited. And I think, look, Test Match starts uh, today. So I'm pretty pumped about that as well. The official start of the cricket summer. So yeah, let's let's get into it. Yeah, really starting to fire up, mate. I've done about 150 podcasts for SC Blaybook in the last three years and I still can't get an intro right. But uh, we're learning. <laughs> it's a learning process. Also with me today for his first appearance of the Big Bash season, been with SC Playbook for a couple of years, an absolute stalwart, 22nd overall last season, formerly with Queensland Cricket, Michael Fisher-Fish. Good to have you back, mate. Thanks for having me, Timmy. And, yep, very excited as well. I've worked out under two weeks to the first ball for Big Bash. Uh, yeah, cricket is already on. David Warner's out, uh, which is a bummer, but ready yeah. to go for the plot. Fish, uh, mate, coming into the new season, bit of pressure on the shoulders. You're not defending a title, but 22nd is a pretty damn good result. A bit of pressure on the shoulders. How do you feel? Pretty good. Pretty good. I try and treat the Big Bash in particular just as a fun comp, uh, mm. and that worked really well last season. I think, yeah, I try, and in general, I try not to take fantasy sports too seriously because if I do, I'll, I'll overthink it, and that's how I usually don't. Uh, finish too well, so I'm going to try and take the same approach this year, have plenty of fun, and uh, see if we can go even better. Mate, the approach works pretty well for you. I think you've got a best finish in NRL Supercoach of ninth, and you had a pretty finish, handy finish this year as well, didn't you? Yeah, finished about 600th this year, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, have done all right in the past, had that ninth place finish, uh, which, yeah, very happy to have chalked up a, a top 10. Very nice, mate. Good to have you back. Boys, on today's show, squad breakdowns, our final squad previews leading into the season, the Thunder, the Scorchers, and the Hurricanes, the all-important cheapy analysis. Maxie Bryden has done his homework, as usual. Big list of those which will touch on the bargain buyers heading into BBL 12. Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice SCW drop in for a quick chat. They drop their super pods for the BBL 12 season. A couple of good ones coming up there. Uh, they are Supercoach BBL guns. Half the reason they got on board with SC Playbook is because they love their Supercoach. We also sit there and talk about Kookaburra, Kahunas, Diablos, all sorts of cricket bats. So that's a great chat. Uh, next week, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of it all. Our team reveals, pods, anti-pods, all the fun stuff as we get closer and closer to the opening round of Supercoach BBL. Uh, if you do want to shoot back, listen to our first two podcasts. Plenty of chat on there. Our previews of the rest of the squads. Uh, guys, long story short, the SC Playbook, NRL and BBL handles separated on social media for this season. So um, I've raved on about it the last couple of weeks. But if you could do me a favor, jump over to Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and give SC Playbook BBL a follow. All your dedicated BBL content will be on there. 
Uh, and anything we're dropping on the NRL channels, cricket-wise at the moment, will soon to be obsolete. All on SC Playbook BBL. Guys, if you're keen on getting stacks of extra content this season, subscribe to our BBL package for just $30 for the entire season or $50 for our full package, taking the NRL and AFL seasons next year as well. Gives you access to additional premium articles every single round, access to our WhatsApp subscriber groups, one contributor only that you watch and see how see our trade plans each week, skippers, our thoughts, all the breaking news on there, uh, and then our subscriber and contributor WhatsApp group where we can jump in, give you feedback on your teams, answer questions, uh, and talk with like-minded super coaches. Guys, let's jump into the big topic of this podcast, cheapy analysis. Now, Maxi, interesting list of cheapies heading into the tournament. It's an extensive list, but there aren't a lot of assured roles uh, going into this year as opposed to what we've seen in prior years. Now, I think for the sake of the analysis, you've you've budgeted it, or you've, you've listed a cheapies anyone under $80,000. You've got an article coming out in the next couple of days where you look at 80 to 120K tiered players. Uh, mate, who are the key cheapies taking your eye early on? Yeah, thanks, Timmy. And look, before I start, I would just say last year was almost the year of the cheapie. So we know how important it is to get these things right. Um, Matt Short started 62.5K bat only last oh. year and ended up scoring the most super coach points out of any player in the entire game um, and not far behind him was a couple of guys who made the top 10 in um, Tom Rogers even uh, young Henry Thornton's up there now at a premium price 163k after starting at 42k um, Brody Couch as well last year so it is a crucial thing to get right um, now guys I've put up a huge article on the website which goes in depth into all of the key candidates and anyone that you might have questions on. But there's a couple on that I wanted to touch on today who are my picks uh, that you should certainly consider to start the season as well, especially when you factor in doubles. First guy on the list, bowler from the Adelaide Strikers, it's Harry Conway at 70.6K and he's a bowl only. Now, Harry only came into the Strikers' best 11 halfway through last season, but once he joined, he didn't leave. And he kept even Wes Agar, who's represented Australia, um, out of that squad. Why I like him is that um, he will bowl death in conjunction with Peter Siddle, provided Siddle re-signs in that squad. Uh, and it's a role that he's been performing for uh, South Australia as well in domestic cricket. And if he gets that job at 70K with a round one double, um, he should be in your team. Um, at the very least, um, he could be a, a loop option in one of your bowler spots, or if not, straight into your starting 11. And just with the funds that he could make and the funds that he'll save, um, he could be a really, really good guy to start the season with. Maxi, even like worst case scenario, like you obviously lock him in once he gets named in the, the game one team. Even if he's a victim of the rotation policy and misses game two, the upside of a death bowler with the double round at 70K, like if he just plays one game and jags 20 or 30 points at the price to free up funds elsewhere, like it's a pretty safe gamble, isn't it? Hundred percent. He'll get those price rises rolling straight away if he if he beats his break even. And I think what you'll note, and you'll see this in the yarn as well, um, coming out uh, on the website and later this week as well, when we look at the eighty one to one hundred and twenty k. There's going to be a couple of really nice mid season downgrade options when the likes of Cameron Green come back from the test squad. Mm. So if you've got a guy a cheapy, even if he's on your bench and not playing, just making a little bit of cash and plugging away. When you do get that chance to downgrade mid season to a sixty two point five k Cameron Green, you're just going to be banking funds that you can up grade elsewhere so um bit of a bit of a bit of a pretty safe bet i reckon a guy like harry conway maxi you might you, know, you might get to him shortly you're not going to go through the entire list but um cooper Connolly, the the famous scorchers i think he was the aussie 19 skipper or something but last season was just this 
I think it was dual position, enough that you could slot in for your, for your auto emergencies, VC loopholes, all these sorts of things. Um, lots of people again starting with him. Cam Green at that dirt cheap price, sixty two k over. Would it be wiser to just plug Cam Green in from the start? And you know, I said expected to come back uh, early to early Jan once the Test series is over against South Africa. Um, if he doesn't come back, he just actually loot the entire season and. If he does come back, he'll be the first player everyone picks that week anyway. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think that the only thing that uh, knock against that strategy as opposed to going um, Cooper, a.k.a. Looper Connolly, um, <laughs> is, just, is just the 20K difference in price. Um, but look, the, the way that this season is shaping up, I think that there's a lot of value to be had across the board, particularly to start the season. So if you can afford 20K, um, it could save you a trade later. And we do know that the Scorchers are the best looping team anyway for the first, uh, I think it's six rounds of the competition with their their, their games playing later in the round. So um, certainly not not a strategy that I'm that I'm against at all. But you know, each way it is is uh, either either way you go, I don't think you can get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I've got Cooper Connolly as about my third favorite cheapie so far to start this season, just for that looping capability and the bat bowl DP. God bless the loop. Who else have you got for us, mate? <laughs> Look, number two on the list, and I've grouped in three guys into this, and they're all from the Melbourne Stars who have got the round one double. Now, that Glenn Maxwell injury has opened up a batting spot at number four for the Melbourne Stars, but there's realistically two positions within that top four that are going to be up for grabs alongside Marcus Stoinis and Joe Clark. And the names that we're looking at are Nick Larkin, and Joe Burns, who are both at 62.5K, and Campbell Kellaway, who was their last uh, signing to their squad. I'm not sure if he's, he's been entered into the game yet, but he I would expect him to be at 42.K. Mm. Now, one of these blokes is going to bat three. Another bloke is going to bat four. Um, and whichever way you go, um, I think that it's worth taking a punt on one of these guys in round one, potentially using them as a loop, um, because again... It'll only take one score over 20 for them to start uh, getting those price rises um, moving. And just given the way that their squad is shaping up, whoever gets those those spots early in the season should have pretty good job security, which is pretty crucial as well. Number four on that list, and this is a guy who I think could be potentially one of the most exciting signings of this season, and I think is the guy who has the biggest benefit of the injury to Glenn Maxwell, and that's Bo Webster. Mm. Another guy at the Melbourne Stars, I think he's locked into bat number six for them, which isn't typically ideal in this game. But what I like about him is that he's bowling a lot these days for Tasmania. He's always been a little bit of a part-timer with his off-spin, but he's now bowling medium pace as well. He's a modern-day Colin Funky Miller, and I think that (laughs) Um, that six bowling spot that Glenn Maxwell has filled so often for the Melbourne Stars, chipping in with his one to two overs, sometimes four if conditions allow, I think that's now Bo Webster's spot to lose. Um, and again, he's a decent finisher with a bat. He's do, playing that role very consistently now in shield cricket and in one-day cricket. So if he can score runs, if he gets the opportunity to take wickets, we already know that he takes catches as well. I think that at 62.5K, he's well unders and could be a guy that not only will potentially... Um, make money for you, but could earn DPP status if he is bowling consistently with the upgrades that we know are coming in this season. And it's certainly worth a look in for your round one side. Yeah, Webster, he excites me a lot, that bloke. As you, as you touched on, he could have the ultimate role. It's you know not um, almost similar to Matty Short last year, but the opposite in that he'd be a, a bowling all-rounder. Matty was a batting all-rounder, but gee, if, if that role falls his way, he could be an absolute gun. Mate, uh, anyone else you wanted to touch on there before we move on? 
The one last guy I'll touch on will be Matt Kuhneman for the Brisbane Heat. Now, I think he was in last year's cheapy guide, uh, and I still think that um, he's worth keeping this time. A big part of that is that the Brisbane Heat play their round one matchup against the Melbourne Renegades, probably a traditionally weaker opposition. They're also going to be playing at Kazali Stadium in Cairns, um, which we saw the Australians play the Kiwis, I believe, in a, in a series of one-day cricket just prior to the T20 World Cup, uh, and it took spin really well. So I'm expecting within this Brisbane Heat lineup for them to feature two spinners in their opening uh, round match of this BBL season, mm. which means that he'll play alongside Mitch Swepson. Um, and if conditions favour him, then he can score well above his price at 71.6K. He's not without risk given that the Brisbane Heat love to change their bowlers around and pick to the right conditions. But at 71.6K, I think he's unders. And the best thing that you can do if you want to read about our uh, my opinion on more of these players, Harry Nilsson, Billy Stanlake, Chris Tremaine, and the lot, jump onto the website and read the full yarn. Very nice, mate. Ripping yarn that. Uh, just a note for any first-time BBL Supercoach players uh, who have come across from NRL or AFL, price changes occur after one game as opposed to NRL, AFL, it had happened after three games. Very big difference, so... Um, when you talk about a guy like Kuhneman at bottom dollar, you can't sit there and have a look and watch him. You can, I shouldn't say that, but uh, it could potentially cost you 30 or 40K. So uh, you do have to take a few more gambles in Supercoach BBL in that regard. Fish, mate, anyone else you wanted to touch on in the cheapies? Yeah, one that I've toyed with is due to there being no non-playing backup wicketkeeper at bottom dollar. So I'm wondering about Baxter Holt. There's someone you can just slot in there for the whole season and that's the best position to do your captaincy loophole with. Yeah. Uh, it can get a bit tricky otherwise doing the captaincy loophole and the emergency loophole. Um, that being said, he was my last trade out of my side um, and I've decided to slot Josh Inglis in there in, in backup, but it uh, wouldn't surprise me if he came back in. Have you guys toyed with that strategy at all? Hmm. No, we haven't jumped into strategy yet. I think that that's probably going to be for next week's pod as we uh, wrap up all the team previews. But look, I love the idea of having a keeper that you can just put in there um, and use as a loop, particularly as we know we get into round three. We're going to have Jilks and the Inglis on the double who are going to be in most teams. So having an an option to move people around there is going to be crucial. Um, But look, the, the only issue with Holt is that I don't think he's that far away from joining um, their best 11. Uh, I think at some point he'll get called up to, to, to bat in that middle order. Um, and if he does as well, he'll, t- he'll take the gloves off Jilks. If Jilks has any sort of injuries or form slumps as well, he'll just jump in and do that. So it's not without risk, but it's, I like the way you're thinking, Fish. Yeah. Mm. The, the other thought I had with that was you could potentially start with Inglis on your bench and then come round two when Thunder and Scorchers are on the double. You could loop... Gilks and no, sorry, you could loop Inglis, and if he goes well in the opening game of round two, you could possibly move early on trading Gilks out down to Baxter Holt and start looping that way. So that's probably the strategy I'm looking at at the moment. Top notch strategy chat, boys. You're still weeks out from the opening of the Big Bash tournament, and you're absolutely all over it, uh, very unsurprisingly. Uh, as I said, head to the website for Maxi's full yarn there. There's heaps and heaps more players that he's touched on, uh, their roles, their you know assurance they're in the squad. So really, really good yarn. And uh, 80 to 120K price bracket yarn coming out in coming days. Boys, let's move on to our first of the squad breakdowns, the Sydney Thunder, the most important team in Supergoats to start the season. Off the fact that they start the year on the double-double. 
two double game weeks in a row, followed by uh, the bye. They then go on, what do we got here? The rest of the tournament after that bye, no more doubles, no more bye. So it's all happening for the Thunder in the first three weeks. Now, big news during the week with Usman Kudir signing on, which means the Thunder now have four internationals off the back of Faruqi, also starting the big Afghan quick earlier, uh, that was about a week or two ago. Means they've got four internationals. Now, you can only play three internationals at a time. Um drama because you'd imagine this probably sends them to into a bit of a rotation policy in that what have they got um a couple of uh top order bats in there who you'd think would be pretty stable in particular alex hales who they're not going to sit him out um yeah so a bit of concern maxi in particular for for those two bowlers who when you're buying players for the double game week real concern yeah, absolutely. It's quite annoying because I thought that that Faruqi was just going to be an absolute slam dunk, 105k bowling death overs um, with two back-to-back doubles. Mm. Um, but I think that the the good thing is that Kadir we know has been signed because of the injury to Tanvir Sanger. So I would expect that as soon as Tanvir Sanger is cleared of um, his stress fractures in his back, which was originally meant to sideline him only for the start of the season, um, that would I would say, push Kadir down the pecking order and, and give uh, Faruqi some more um, uh, job security. But the the sad thing is we're just not going to know anything until the start of this season. So picking Faruqi isn't without some sort of risk um, for the, the start of the season. Fish, with three sides on the double in the first round, Faruqi, who I had pegged into my side initially, I think it makes it pretty hard to go near both of those two now, doesn't it? Not for me. Um, I'm thinking uh, we might be overreacting to it a little bit. The super coaches like Faruqi is still 105k, and mm. his record is incredible. Albeit that uh, he's only played something like 30 T20s, but economy of around 6.5 um, as a as a death bowler uh, and 22 years old. Uh, there's just so much upside there that I see. Um, now, the key for me is whether he actually starts the first game. If he starts the first game, I think I'll be happy to roll the dice on him um, and just hope that he plays you know, three or four out of the four games. Um, if he doesn't, I think at 105K, he'll still make money. So at the moment, I've still got him in my side. Mm, okay, yeah. I suppose similar, as you said, to, to sort of Harry Conway in that you know, while he's a bit more expensive, there's such serious upside there. If you can jag even three of the four games, he looks at a pretty big play. It might be a bit of an antipod opportunity there in that if he does play two of the four, um, I, I do think we'll find out more as we get closer to the tournament, but you nailed it, Fish. It's that naming in the game one team, which will, you know, decide his ownership very, very heavily. Um, boys, let's go to the top of the order at the Thunder. And we start with the Spies boy, Alex Hales, 130K, coming off. An, so get this, an underwhelming Supercoach season by his standards. He averaged 44.9, yet still scored 383 runs at 32, striking at 148. Underwhelming because the season prior, 583 runs at 38.78, striking at 161.6. Uh, recent T20 World Cup, we saw what he did there, 86 not out in the semifinal, had a 47, a 52. Maxie, you you have to lock him in, don't you? 
Yeah, look, I don't traditionally love to get batters to start the season um, in my slots at, at the top. I um, would prefer an all-rounder, but I think you can make an exception for Hales. Um, the law of averages suggests that in those four games, um, he's going to come off at some point. And we've seen now that as this guy's gotten more acclimatized each season to Australian conditions, mm. um, he can go on big, big streaks where he can really punish coaches who avoid him. I think last year he got down as, as cheap as about uh, mid-80s yeah. uh, in his price. Everyone jumped on for the double and he rewarded them with some huge, huge scores back-to-back. Season prior, it was like three or four back-to-back 50s as well. So um, I'm really, really excited to start the season with him. But by the same token, I don't think that he's a guy um, that isn't it. like you, you could antipod him, knowing that you know he might just get one with his name on it on his day. But I think for me, having seen what he did in the World Cup, he's in my team. Fish, how do you say it? Like it's so many great antipod opportunities in Supercoach Big Bash because in in NRL, and I'm probably speaking out of turn a little bit, but AFL scoring is pretty consistent, and barring injuries, HIAs, that sort of thing. Good players on a bad day, it's not too bad. A good batsman on a bad day in Supercoach Big Bash at top dollar can get you like four points. So really big antipod opportunities. Do you see that with Alex Hales or will you just be locking him into your side? I I would if it was only the one double, but mm. two doubles in a row, yeah. yeah, I think it's a different different story. So I think you'd be mad to go without him. Yeah, that's it. If in one of those four knocks, you know, provided he plays all four games with the four internationals, but uh, the Thunder will be wanting to get everything out of they can in the time that he's with them. You know, if you can get one fifty-plus score at that one sixty-one seventy strike rate, it's pretty well job done at one thirty k. With him, it is Matty Jilks, um, Maxi. Fifteen games last tournament, two ninety-five runs at twenty-one strike at one twenty-nine point two five. Solid numbers, had a top score of 93, uh, equating to 148 supercoach points. However, his role from memory did change a little bit. He was sort of higher up the order, possibly lower down the order at one stage. So I think coming with a 33.6 average at 97K, he is undervalued. Do you like him? Yeah, I do like him. Um, he's not without risk, and we know how volatile the keeper position is. Um, but given those doubles, I think that he should be in most coaches' teams to start the season. Um, I think it's the most important question about him is what you're going to do with him uh, after round one, um, particularly with Josh Inglis available in round two. He's at also a good price from the Perth Scorchers. We know that when David Warner comes back, it's probably going to be the Howells and Warner show at the top of the order if Howells is still around with the team there. So what happens to Jilks after round one? Um, that's going to be a bigger question. But for now, I think just get him in your team. Fish, uh, Matty Jilks for you. Three 50-over Marsh Cup games this season. Scores of 14-0 and 40. Shield form, a little bit more impressive. A duck, 72-48-1. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and that form's not too bad considering they're different formats. So mm. I, I think, yeah, I agree with Maxi. The The real question is what to do with him after round one. Um, and assuming a lot of people will have Inglis in the backup wicketkeeper position. So I... Yeah, I particularly like keeping your options open there, as I was talking about with with Baxter Holt. Um, I just I'd stay flexible with your trade plans if you can, and start with him in round one. Coming in at number three, the other international Riley Rousseau from South Africa, one hundred and five k starts very very cheap. <clears throat> Average twenty four point three supercoach points for the Renegades back in BBL ten. Uh, thirty three years old, bit of a veteran, but doesn't mean he can't do some damage. Around that world T20 World Cup, he hit 190 against Bangladesh, 
54 not out against New Zealand in a warm-up match, and prior to that, 100 not out against India in indoor. I don't know how to pronounce that, but across 26 T20 internationals for his country, averaging 36.78, strike at 156. Very, very cheap, Maxi. What do you reckon? His guy's been in and out of my team. And first, I should say, Tim, you got to be careful when you're calling 33-year-olds veterans these I days. Know, um, I, I, I started <laughs> to bite my tongue there a little bit. Yeah, mate, it's starting to get a bit personal. But um, look, I, I think for me, um, he's going to be a real difference maker um, for those who choose him or not. I think that there's a lot of similarities between him and guys like Chris Lynn at a similar price mm. point. Um, and I, it's a bit of a lottery which one you're going to go with in your round one team. He's been in and out of my squad right now. I'm fading him just because as much as he had his moments in the World Cup, for me, like the consistency is something I'm, I'm a little bit scared of with Riley. Um, but again, another guy who could get on a roll and hurt you. So I'm really on the fence. Mm, yeah, and we do know it's good that he's had the recent time on Australian soil with a bit of form. But as I said, like, I know it was a couple of years ago for the Renegades, but pretty ordinary that time out. What about for you, Fish? Yeah, he's in for me. I've toyed with running without him, particularly while uh, looking at Jason Sanger, who I'm sure will come to shortly. However, I think the price 105k again is a most likely the deciding factor for me. I think that's that's a really good price for someone of his caliber and upside. Um, one disadvantage with him is that the Thunder play the first game of the round in round one. So comparing to someone like Chris Lynn who plays a second game, um, you probably want to balance out with, you know, a few other people who play the, the second game if you can so mm-hmm. that you you can loop a few players. So a lot of it depends on team structure as well, I think. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. At 105K, it's so cheap for a bloke who's just hit two recent international T20 tonnes. Um, I, I said... Again, a, a wonderful maxi antipod opportunity, but I think I will be starting with him. Jason Sanger, 177K, offers Supercoach average last season, 61.1. Last tournament, 445 runs at 49.44, striking at 132.04. Look, his recent Shield and Marsh Cup form has been pretty ordinary. I believe he actually just got dropped drop from it might have been the Marsh Cup side, but... Um, Massive upside there, and I suppose, Maxi, the other thing, any chance at rolling the arm over? What are your thoughts on Jason Sanger? I know the spy loves him. Yeah, look, I know the spy's all over him, but for me, he's not a guy I can touch. I just think that price, I think it's about 177K. It's just too much when you're thinking about a round one guy who could get two ducks um, and really quickly lose 40 or 50K. Um, He's always a chance to roll the arm over. I think in this lineup as well, he's he's the equal six bowler with a guy like Ben Cutting who's bowling less and less overs um, as he gets on in his career. But a guy that I'm very, very happy to antipod. Um, I missed him last year. I know he caught fire at some point, but I just can't pay up for a guy like that who's um, who just doesn't have the, the historical evidence to suggest that uh, it, it wasn't a fluke last year. Yeah. Uh, do you see it similar, Fish? <clears throat> yes, I do. Uh, I toyed with him in my side before the Quidir news, and I was happy to not pay too much attention to the form in the other formats, just thinking that, you know, there's still a bit of time until the tournament starts and you could easily turn it around. But uh, with the less chance of rolling the arm over, I think uh, he's a no-go for me now. Mm. Currently at 10% ownership, that'll obviously fluctuate a fair bit uh, heading into the season. I mean, David Willey's at 13.2% ownership, so that says all you need to know about that at this stage. Um, Moving on, Alex Ross at number five. We won't go into him too much. Boys, Daniel Sams, uh, super coach, 
royalty, 61.8 average last season. Prior to that, 65.2, 68.5, Double, double to start. I said, well, I'd tick under 180K. I... Like we we saw what he could do with the bat last last season. I think Maxi leading into the tournament, you were touching on what he was capable of. Had a top score of ninety eight, not out. I think we're only scratching the surface uh, on what Sam's can do with the Willow, mate. And, and take a very brave super coach to leave him out, and on top of that, to not skipper him. Yeah, I think so. But the only thing I think you have to keep an eye on with Dan Sams at the moment is a small little rumour flying around that he might not be fit um, for the start of the tournament. Um, he missed the recent New South Wales uh, one-day cup team with an injury. Um, and this it could be something which has a, a little bit of a lingering effect. So um, one to watch for. But even if he – I guess the, the, the thing with Dan Sams is when he is fit, you need him in your team. He's one of those guys like Glenn Maxwell who can just hurt you so much if you don't own him. So um, that's all it really comes down to when it, for the decision for me on Dan Sams is if he's available or not. An Australian quick bowler injured. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> Fish, what about yourself, mate? Is it similar to Maxi? Like if he's fit and good to go, you just lock him in? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I did wonder if he isn't fit to go, it's going to be a real spanner in the works for trade planning moving forward because – yeah, somehow we're going to have to find a way to get him in amongst, you know, scorchers are pretty appealing in, in round two. The heat even looked pretty appealing in round three. So uh, fingers crossed for simplicity. He's good to go round one. But if not, we'll need to have a big rethink, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great for Supercoach. It'd leave things wide open if he wasn't because he'll, he's a bloke he'll be in probably, realistically should be in 70 to 80% of teams, if not more. So if he's not picked, like I think for the sake of Supercoach, I actually quite like because it'll open teams up plenty. Um, boys, Ben Cutting next in line, but we sort of get into get into the bowling contingent now. We go Chris, we've got Chris Green, Brendan Doggett, uh, Tanvir Sanger is now expected to miss the early stages of the tournament. So line through him, we've obviously got Usman Kadir who, who comes in, but again, um, availability will be a question mark. Uh, and then we've got Faruqi from Afghanistan signing on actually today, re-signing, I should say, it was Garinda Sandu, Maxi, one of your boys. Um, of that bowling contingent, Maxi, who, who do you like to start the season with? It's a great question. Um, and I think that you can have a punt on any of them, really. There's no one who's jumping out at me above anyone else. Um, Chris Green, I think, has, has, has won a few eyeballs early to start this season because he's had a few good games for New South Wales, made his Shield debut. I think he got mad of the match with nine wickets or something yeah. like that for the game and bowled pretty well. Sandy was a guy who, again, another cheapie last year who surprised and um, has a pretty plum role. He should help bowl death um, uh, with Faruqi if he is in the side. So you could you could have a shot of the stumps there and dog it as well. Like we've seen him at times catch absolute fire and, and bowl unplayable Yorker after Yorker. Um, but I, th- I think um, it, it's really... It's a it's a tough to to, to split them, um, and I think for me I, I'm almost kind of uh, avoiding them as much as possible. But Green looks like a guy who could be valued to 122k, um, but the others it's it's really really hard to pick, especially when you throw in guys like McAndrew on the bench and the potential for rotation as well. We know it can be a bit of a lotchy maxi when it comes to wicket takers in T20 cricket. Does Chris Green take enough wickets for you? I know he's coming off the nine in Shield, but that's a completely obviously different format being long form, but uh, I'm just worried that he's that one of those one of the spinners, you know, quite economical, but not not necessarily the be- best wicket taking role. 
I think that he early in his career he was a higher wicket taker than he was, um, just because he was being used to open the bowling when he first came into the big bash, um, used to sort of frustrate teams, build dots, and sort of eventually get batters to sky one. Um, I think in the last couple of years he hasn't been used very well by his captains. Um, he's kind of bowled more in the middle overs, gone away from that opening role. I think also when he was called for chucking, that sort of seemed to dent his confidence. But I think by all reports he's he's almost back at his peak um, having seen his performances in recent weeks we've seen at times this is a guy who can score 50 60 super coach points consistently um, if he is taking wickets I think the 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 loss of David Willey as well means that he'll be batting one spot higher in the order Um, he could be as high as seven um, depending on their lineup so he could be one to monitor in those early rounds and, and could be a nice little pod yeah. Uh, Fish, what about you, mate, among that bowling contingent? Is it because there really aren't any that stand out, but the wickets have got to tumble somewhere, mate. So there's points to be had. And because there's no, I suppose, big names in that bowling contingent, people might look uh, towards the other double game week sides. Is there anyone who, who you're interested in? The only one who I'm interested in uh, just to see more of in the preseason is Chris Green. Uh, I, I wasn't up until that, um, funnily enough, that Sheffield Shield performance, only because historically, like you said, he hasn't been a wicket taker, but um, that's his first class debut. And to debut and take nine wickets, you know, just piques my interest as to whether he might reinvent himself a little bit. Um, I think it's unlikely given he's been successful in T20 the way he has. And, um, in terms of his captain's bowling him, I think he was captain last season, so I, I don't think that'll change too much. Um, and he, I'd assume he'd be fairly conservative in, in how he continues to, to use himself, but one to keep an eye on in any pre-season games, I reckon. Yeah, very good. Uh, guys, scplaybook.com.au. I have done in-depth breakdowns of every single team in the competition. We've got one more to go there in... Uh, the Hurricanes, but almost all up there. So jump on there if you want another look. Uh, I sat down with Paddy and George from More You Choice SCW for a little chat. A warm welcome back to the SC Play Podcast. We are proud sponsors, Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. Boys, uh, you're on board for the footy season. You're back for the BBL season. How have you been? Good, mate. Very couldn't, good, Timmy. Couldn't get enough of you blokes and, and your <laughs> listeners, so we're, we're back again. <laughs> Mate, we know you love a bit of the SC playbook. Funnily enough, the reason, or half the reason, I should say, that you did get on board early on it, uh, for the 2022 season was you do love your super coach. Uh, I hate to say it, but you both go all right at it as well. Both regulars in the top 1,000 of BBL super coach. Georgie, I think a couple of years back you were 150-odd, so a few decent yeah, runs on the board, Paddy. I'm sure you'll tell us pretty soon, but I'm pretty sure you were junior reps, wicket keep about 11 years old, which is on your resume, so... Boys, you're going to throw a, a few super pods at us heading into the new season. And, Paddy, regrettably, I'll start with you, mate. What have you got for us? Mate, I'll just – on that, I was the <laughs> under-14s uh, rep wicket keeper, so I, I really thought that's why you got me on the show today to give some insights to your listeners if they're, you know, thinking need some tips for the season. But uh, I do actually have some plays for you, and, and I've got Nick Larkin. Was your the dad the coach, mate? <laughs> My mum. <laughs> I can't swing a bat to save his life. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'll be on the team. But back to business, Timmy. I know you're all about jokes and wasting time. I like to get down to it for your listeners and, and give them something <laughs> that are, actually help them. Um, I've got Nick Larkin for the Stars. He's uh, currently at 3.8% ownership. 
Um, you know, he's not necessarily the best in, in the Supercoach game, but he starts on a double game week and he, he should bat top four with Glenn Maxwell injured. So, you know, 62000 pretty cheap for a bloke in two hits in the opening round and it frees up your cash ex- elsewhere if you uh, need to move some things around. Yeah, don't mind it at all, mate, Nicky Larkin. He's an interesting one because, as you said, the probably doesn't have the Supercoach runs on the board of other players in the game, but f- starting on the double at that price, you know, getting two cracks out. He only needs one half-decent score to justify the price, free up a bit elsewhere. You tipped us into Ruben Garrick during the footy season, went on an absolute tear before everyone else jumped on that. So good one there. Uh, Georgie, while I do think you're the better super coach player, you gave us Justin Olam at one point. So the less <laughs> said about that one, the better. Mate, who do you like as your super pod for BBL 12? Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. I'm hoping my tips are a bit better this this um, during the BBL season, mate. But... Mate, got big Harry Conway for the strikers for you. Um, mate, you're sitting at 7.3% ownership. Um, mate, starting on the double, super cheap at 70K. Provided he gets a spot for the opening game, you can't go too far wrong, mate. Um, the only slight risk is competition for quicks, but, mate, I'm backing him in. Mm, don't mind Conway either. He said, interesting competition one there. Sids hasn't re-signed yet, but he's expected to re-sign with the strikers. There's a few options. Agar there, Thornton. But, mate, Conway was really good last year. Always a bit of a rotation risk. But same thing, at the price, low ownership. They don't even have to have good days necessarily, bowlers. If they two or three good balls, get a few scouts, and their points are going through the reef. So don't mind either of those plays, boys. Hey, as I said, uh, very, very appreciative. And the on the SC Playbook podcast that you are back on board for the BBL season. Had plenty of people go across to you across the NRL season with great feedback. They've jumped on board with Paddy and George Morgan's choice, SCW. Uh, what do you offer exactly, Paddy? Mate, we offer a wide range of things. And, you know, as you said, we spoke to a lot of your listeners throughout the NRL season. Um, we focus really on mainly residential, so buying your first property refinancing your existing loan or looking to buy an investment. But outside of that, we also do a lot of asset finance, commercial finance, basically anything with finance in it, we're, we're going to look after you. So look, to keep in line with with your lucky NRL listeners, we've decided to extend our offer again for the BBL season. So usually it costs about 120 odd bucks to come and get some financial advice for you. But for your listeners, when they quote the SC playbook, when calling up, we're happy to waive that fee again because we're just here to help, guys. And, um, you know, we've helped a lot of people throughout the season and we're looking to take on even more. Yeah, nice, mate. That 120 bucks you can put it towards a new <clears throat> a new cashmere willow kookaburra kahuna or something at, at the cricket store. I still remember the first – one of the first cricket bats I bought was a kahuna. It was one of them black and green kookaburras that Ricky Ponting was using at the time. And I thought, 120 bucks, I'm getting Ricky Ponting's bat. That is unbelievable. Uh, I was you, a I was a kookaburra beast man myself. <laughs> Do you ever have the beast? Yeah, you're all flash, mate. The, the Mike Hussey <laughs> beast was it was it was it the full black back uh, beast? Yeah, yeah. There was the one without the black back, and then the one with, with the black. And yeah, we know knew which one you were going for. All flare. That's it, mate. And then I, I made my move because I was a you know I don't know if anyone mentioned, but I was a rep wicket keeper. So I just want to bring that up, back up. But yeah, I I, I went on to the uh, the Gilchrist ballistic. Um, that was my next one. I, I eat those up, both the gloves and the bat, and I also went for the Puma Vendetta, if anyone got on that. That was a <laughs> nice bit of willow, I tell you. You have flung the willow a little bit, mate. Knows his bat. Hey, George, if people, do want, to get in, if people do want to get in contact and claim that free consult, how can they do that? 
Yeah, Timmy, uh, mate, as usual, best way uh, is through our Instagram page, Pat and George, Mortgage Choice, just flick us a DM. Um, we're pretty pretty quick getting back, back to you on that. Um, alternatively, um, through, mate, on the website, um, and your website through all the articles, listed all our contact details, um, website, emails, all that sort of stuff, and, and our um, office number, mate. So whatever works for, for the listeners, um, yeah. That's it, mate. Plenty of ways to get in touch. There's even a QR code in that uh, if you jump in just about any of our stories on the website. So go and check that out. Boys, once again, thank you very much for the support. You'll be back later on in the BBL season to reassess how your early picks have gone. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks, Timmy. Speak to you soon, mate. Cheers, boys. Thanks to them boys for jumping on the show and for their ongoing support of SC Playbook. Always good fun getting uh, Paddy on in particular just to take the piss out of him because it's absolutely very enjoyable. Guys, if you do like what you're hearing from Pat and George and feel like you could benefit from jumping on board with, with SC Playbook, we do have plenty of different advertising opportunities available. So if it is something that you're after, flick us an email at supercoachplaybook at gmail.com, full word supercoachplaybook. Uh, plenty more information there if you want to jump on and have a little chat about that in more detail. Next in our previews, the Perth Scorchers, who are a very interesting prospect to start the tournament because they start on the bye. Despite that, they're one of the more relevant teams because they do have the double in round two. They then have the double in round nine and then round 12, followed by a bye in the final round of the season in round 13. Uh, The defending champions, so much super coach relevant players in the side. They've had a Few different rotations as the preseason has unfolded due to a few different reasons. Laurie Evans playing up off the field, uh, allegedly, allegedly at this stage. Um, the big one, Maxi, at the top of the order, and this is huge. With Evans out of the competition, it opens a spot for Cameron Bancroft, either at the top of the order or probably at or possibly at number four in the side for the Scorchers. Now, who that re- rotates him with is Josh Inglis who at $87,000 was you know, pretty well a lock for most Supercoach sides early on. Um, first and foremost, who do you think opens? Who do you think bats at number four? And would you be, will you be uh, loading either of those two into your team? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question and it's a pretty crucial one um, when it comes to potentially the ceiling of a guy like Inglis, who I know is going to be super popular. Um, I think when you're looking to pick your number four, these teams are typically looking at who's going to be best at playing spin bowling um, versus your openers who are tr- more likely to be facing pace. And I think that Inglis is a guy who's pretty adept at facing both, which means that he's ideal at number four, um, and it's a role that he's played in previous seasons. Yeah. Um, he's got all the shots, he's got all the dinks, reverses, laps um, to really make um, spin bowlers and pace bowlers pay. And I think that um, particularly given that that's where we would expect him if he's the next uh, wicketkeeper to play for Australia, um, would be further down the order, I think that he's more likely to get four um, and Bancroft could slot into that opening position, um, which... You know, while to start the season, it's a little bit annoying. Um, personally, I think that it means um, it just gives a little bit more credibility to that opportunity for Cameron Green halfway through the season to come in and also um, open the batting and be a straight swap for Bancroft later on. Mm. So let's say Inglis does bat at number four, and I, I tend to feel a bit the same. I think he might bat at number four. Do you still get him? I think, and I have been thinking a lot about this, and I put a chat, uh, a comment into the WhatsApp group earlier in the week. 
I think that the wicketkeeper position is the most volatile in Supercoach for um, one reason, one reason only, is that in batter slots, you can put all-rounders, you can put bowlers, guys who could take wickets, but wicketkeeper, you have to take a punt on a guy um, who has to bat, which means that he could get zero points for an entire round. Um, when it comes to that reason, it's tough. It's a lottery. A guy who costs you 87K could score the same amount of points as a guy who costs you 205K. Um, and for that reason, I think that I can't walk past a guy like Inglis just with his job security, knowing that he's locked yeah. into that side, knowing that he is class, knowing that he has been a lot of money to start previous seasons. Um, I think that he's a perfect guy to start on your bench in round one. You can use him for a VC loophole if you want. You might even be able to use him as a batting loophole um, if you've got um, two extra keepers in your team. Um, he's been one of the first picked in my team, um, and I would strongly recommend it to all our listeners as well. Yeah, it is a very interesting position, Wicketkeeper. <clears throat> Fish has actually done an analysis uh, of each position on the website. Uh, bowling, I believe, is up next, but he's got a Wicketkeeper analysis. And because the Wicketkeepers in the double game week teams in round one are not probably the most high profile, you think of options such as Matty Wade and Ben McDermott, Josh Philippi, who you could be going with. Another great uh, probably antipod opportunity to go against a few of these options. Fish, English for you, yes or no? Yeah, I like him very much at the backup keeper position. And I think, yeah, the value is just too hard to pass up, really. Mm. What about moving down to number three? Mitchell Marsh, $246,000. 35K above the next highest, second highest price player in Ben McDermott. Six games last season for a 106 point super coach average. Recent form for Australia, all in ODIs and T20s. Rock solid. He's been double figures all by one of those knocks with a top score of 50. So not going on with him, but really, really rock solid scoring. Um, Maxi, people are going to flock to him round two for obvious reasons. With the insane bowling depth in this Scorchers outfit, I see at the price an antipod opportunity if he's not really bowling. If he's bowling, I think you've just you probably got to pay up for him or risk getting left behind. But do you see him bowling much? Because there, there's a lot of options. The difficult thing is that we're not going to know. We don't get a look at him prior to their round two double game week in order to really assess that. So it's one of those things you're either going to have to watch for the scorecards in um, the practice matches if they're releasing that information um, or just cross your fingers. Um, realistically, as you mentioned, that depth is crazy. Um, and now he's probably even equal six bowler with a guy like Aaron Hardy, who you'd expect to slot into the team as well at number six. So there's absolutely... The first between them two, do you think? Well. It, it, it's a great question. And so I'd say Marsh has got the pedigree, um, but Hardy's no slouch um, either. I'd say Marsh is a bit more, um, got a few more variations and got a lot more experience bowling in T20. But like Hardy's honestly could be a, another international all-rounder for Australia in a year or two's time. Like he's got that much class as well. So um, it's hard to pick, but I think it's just one of those things that um, he could do so much damage to you um, if he's not in your team that you'd be very, very, very brave to antipod. Um, and I know personally I'm keeping um, quite a bit of kitty uh, in my bank and not on my playing field in my round one team just so that I've got the room to flex and, and, and get him at all costs because having missed gone, going early on him last season, um, he was one of the big reasons why I finished 999th and not 99th. So um, I'm going to, I'm probably going to, just take my medicine and um, get him in for round two. Fish, antipod opportunity on Mitch Marsh, or is it like he'd be a terrifying watch if you did know, especially not knowing about his role? 
Yeah, I think initially I was thinking, yeah, with so many likely to captain him, um, it, it is a terrifying anti-pod opportunity. However, I'm leaning towards doing it. Um, the reason is, I, I don't know about you guys, but if I bring him in, I'm probably going to have to trade out Rashid Khan and then I'm going to want Rashid Khan back for round four. So mm. to me, for a guy who has question marks over bowling, as you said, at 246K, even if he's um, if he is the most captain player that week, uh, the Scorchers have a heap of other options to trade in options as well. So I, I can see myself just wanting all these other options and to hold Rashid. So at this point in time, I think I'll do it and um, go for a walk when he comes to the crease. <laughs> um, I'm with you. Uh, look, you look at their bowling options. Berendorf, Ty, Hatsuglu, Richardson, Agar, Hardy. Uh, and let's throw in Tymel Mills, their English international as well. It's like, it's incredible that what they've got. So do they need to bowl Mitch Marsh? Probably not. He's been bowling very scarcely of late for the Australian team, only a handful of overs here and there. Um, you know, if, if you get an option at, say, 125K, you're saving 120K by not going with a bloke who could go out there and, and hit six and eight in his double game week. So uh, unless we get real confirmation that he's going to be bowling extensively, I, I don't mind the antipod on him, Maxi. I'll give you one point in, in favour of that strategy, Fish and Timmy, and I'll give you two against it. So the, the one thing in favour of anti-potting him is that he's playing the Sydney Sixers, who would expect to be one of the top teams, and the Hobart Hurricanes, who I think are going to be one of the better teams as well in that double, right? That's a good reason to anti-pot him. The bad reason to anti-pot him, number two, is that he doesn't have a buy until round 13. So you're going to want him in your team anyway as a guy who's good enough to play in single game weeks most weeks. And the third reason why you should just grab him and then you know you can still go for that walk if it's if it's a nice day outside fish <laughs> is that in round three they're going to play the Melbourne Stars who would expect to be one of the poorer teams in this competition. Then he's got the Adelaide Strikers who their form's going to be questionable. Then he's got the Melbourne Renegades who are going to expect to be one of the poorer teams in this competition. And then he's got the Sydney Thunder again who have got big question marks over their bowling attack. So not only do they have the plum draw with no buys, but their, their, their run of games afterwards for a team who are you'd expect to dominate. We know the teams who dominate score the most super coach points. It's, it's pretty bloody good. So I, I see it as one of the deciding factors between those who finish in the top 10 and those who finish in, in, in a thousandth spot. But um, you, geez, you, you, you boys are braver than me. Fish? Yeah. So just on the point about uh, the following rounds, I'm not opposed to trading him in, in round four um, and just hoping that he loses cash before then. Because the issue that I have is, uh, and there may be another way to do it, um, but for me, uh, trading out Rashid Khan and then trading him back in uh, just isn't going to give enough net value on the trades. So I think, yeah, that that's what I'm thinking now. I'm definitely, you've got me thinking I want him, but yeah, I'm not sure when I want him. Yeah, and I think that this is the thing that I'm really struggling with as well is my round one team in terms of who do I leave out? 
And that's why with a team of guys, I think I've got 10 or 11 on the double to start with. I've still got 58K in the bank just because for me, I'm sort of really prepared that it's going to be, has to be a guy like Henry Thornton who's 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 going to go in round two in order to make the gap. Henry Thornton, my God. Um, you know, it, or potentially a Matt Short, you know, if you've got Matt Short. But again, if Matt Short's got the plum roll, then you're going to want to keep him as well and play him in single game week. So... Um, it's a huge dilemma. Uh, it's 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 a really big one um, that coaches are going to have to figure out. But um, I, th- I think that that's why nailing not only your cheapies but your mid ranges to start the season, particularly for those first two rounds, mm-hmm. is going to be absolutely critical. Because if you're finding value there, then you're going to get a jump on the rest of the team when the when those good teams like the Scorchers have the double in round two. Mm, yeah, two tough games to start for Mitchie Marsh. Uh, followed by the Stars. So Trent Bolt is going to absolutely rattle him first or second ball. Me and, Matt, uh, me and Fisher are going to be laughing all the way to the bank as we cash in and sit top 10 after the first three rounds. You mark my words. Going against Mitch Marsh, that's terrifying. Well, boys, I'll also, I'll give you a live trade while we're doing the pot as well. Just so I can put more money in the bank to make sure that I can get Marsh in, I'm going to downgrade Chris Lynn from my starting team to Riley Rousseau which I think might net me just a little bit more cash. So, um, you know, just, just to make sure I can get it done. But anyway, I'll, I'll chat to you guys in round three and then we'll get, we can figure out how we win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys, moving on. Middle order, Ashton Turner. I don't – I don't as good a cricketer as he is, batting sort of probably about number five at 105K. I, I find it hard to go past. Aaron Hardy, possibly uh, Maxi Fish, but 99K. Average 34 last season. Again, a case of – could be anything in Supercoach, but just with the bowlers again, similar to sort of well, similar to Marsh in some ways, but just not not sure how many overs he will bowl, Maxie, which with the batting role is going to make it hard to go. It is, but I think that there is um, there's a lot of people who are attracted to to roles like that in Supercoach because mm. um, it's volatile. But if you do nail it, if you do catch lightning in a bottle, then you've got an yeah. advantage because you're going to get a guy at good value. Um, and, and for me, I think I've said this a couple of times in preseason. If you like Dan Christian, then just get Aaron Hardy because I think that they're going to play a similar role. They'll be the sixth bowler. They'll only roll the arm over occasionally. They'll only come in and face enough balls um, when the top order fails. But I think they've both got the potential to go big. They've both got the potential to score well. Christian's obviously got the pedigree and has been doing it for year on year. But I think Hardy could be just as good this season. And um, there's every chance that um, he's he's got some really, really big scores in him. Um, if the top order fails, which is you know, more and more likely when you know Laurie Evans is being a naughty boy. Fish, on to that bowling contingent. We touched on all of them there. Agar Richardson, had to glue Ty Berendoff. Uh, you throw Matty Kelly in there, Tymel Mills. They're all so appealing, aren't they? Who Do you have an order for them? How, how do you want to list them? Yeah, so for me, in order, I think I probably have Jai Richardson, provided that he's, he's fit. Up the top, then Ashton Agar due to his dual position, mm. I like. Uh, then Andrew Tide, just pedigree. Uh, he's year on year averaging between 50 to 60 super coach points generally. Then Jason Berendorf because he's only 120K um, compared to the others who tend to be around 150, 160K. And then the rest, Tyler Mills piqued my interest, but. Uh, he's up around the 170k mark and doesn't have as much pedigree in BBL as some of the others. And then I think the rest are on the fringe of the side. So yeah, let's well, going to come down to uh, who gets named as well. But that's how I'm looking at it at the moment. Yeah, 
all like such elite, can be and have been for many years such elite super coach options. Maxi rotation risk becomes a concern, but at the same time, with their great draw, I suppose there's some decent set and forgets in there. Jai Richardson, provided he's fit, he's come in with some injury niggles and a bit of under a bit of a cloud. But you know, who do you like? How do you see them, and who do you think you'll be starting with from that bowling contingent, provided yeah, they're named for round two? It's a really, really good question, and I think that um, this year it just feels even more difficult than it was last year. Last year, getting in scorchers not only early but just locking them in for the whole season was a great strategy. There was value across the board in guys like Agar and Ty, um, and, and even even Time of Mills, people who really sort of separated the um, you know the, the top one hundred players from the rest of the competition. But this year, just looking at their bench, they've almost got like for like replacements for every single member of that bowling unit. You know, Andrew Ty gets injured, throwing Matt Kelly one of the other best death bowlers in the competition. Um, Jai Richardson goes down. Why not throw the ball to Lance Morris, 62.5K rookie who's been lighting up uh, the domestic season so far in Shield and in one-day cricket. So I don't know if there's anyone within that team who's really locked into a position, maybe with the exception of Ashton Agar. Um, I think the other big question is, do the Scorchers go for two spinners? It was a strategy they really stuck solid with last year, despite Peter Hatziglou not necessarily lighting up the competition. Um, inside word from the Scorchers camp is that they, they're probably going to keep with that strategy with wow. Agar at seven and Hatsaglu in there at some point, which takes away another fast bowling slot, yeah. and meaning that a guy like um, Kelly or Mills might even just start on the bench to start the season, which is you know more kind of spanner in the works of, of selecting your squad. I guess kind of the, the question I've got for both of you, and I'd love to get your thoughts on, is, is Ashton Agar. 160K bat bowl, that flexibility is awesome. But you remember last year he started at 99K and – that was for a reason. Um, he has been pretty inconsistent in his Big Bash um, Supercoach career to date, despite always being a bit of a star performer when he pulls on the green and gold for Australia. 55 average last season. The last time he played Big Bash before that, it was only 35. Do we think that last year he was overachieving or can we expect more of the same for him this year? I think Maxi is, you know, the beauty of playing with such a gun fast bowling quartet is that like, Ashton Agar, who is, you know, traditionally more of a, you know, an economical bowling off spinner, tie it down, tie the runs down. When the bowling, when the quicks are doing that for you, like particularly Jai Richardson, who they can hardly get off the square when he's on, which is most of the time, it might force them to play a few shots off Agar. So I think that's probably where the wickets have come from. Um, and I think it will continue to happen with their bowling quartet, more than quartet. There's a million of them this year. So I think the wickets will keep coming. And, Last season, he started chiming in with the bat. We know he's handy enough there. Average 22 uh, off 133 runs, striking at 150. So that all helps as well. Um, I can be in my side, Fish. Yep. Yeah, as I said, I've got him high up the order and I've warmed to him over time. I, I was thinking the same, Maxi. I was sort of thinking, oh, yeah, this. I, I don't know that that's sustainable. Maybe he got a few too many runs mm. last season or something like that, but... I, I don't think that is the case, and I, I really do like picking players from gun sides, and the Scorchers are that. So if it fits the bill there, I think uh, I have a little hunch as well that the recent Australian experience holds him in good stead. So, yeah, the fact that he's bad eligible means I'll probably be running with him round two, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, boys, we'll move on to the Hobart Hurricanes, who we run a bit longer, which is always fine. We tend to do it each and every single week. Plenty to talk about, but we have a few more podcasts coming up leading into the season. Well, uh, at the Hurricanes, they 
no early doubles. They have the buy in round five, and then first double isn't until round eight, and then round thirteen. So, with some serious supercoach talent in there, they're relevant early, but they don't become particularly relevant until round six. That being said, for that reason, there's some big pot opportunities. Uh, we'll basically break it into top order, uh, and then bowlers, boys. Matty Wade, Darcy Short, Ben McDermott. McDermott at 211k, immense last season. Darcy Short at 148. Matty Wade's at 120. Um, any of those three for you, Maxie? Yeah, look, I think there's probably two things to call out here. One, Ben McDermott, just too much money to start yeah. the season for me, particularly when you, he's got no form to kind of back that up against. Um, you'd much rather sort of let him drop a little bit and then jump on at the right time. Um, but two things in particular about the other two of the order, Wade and Short. So firstly, Wade, I think, is at a great price. Um, he's coming off a season where not only has he represented Australia and really sort of locked in that spot um, in that international T20 um, outfit and helping them win semifinals against Pakistan as well. He, he also won the IPL um, opening the batting and really showed himself to be a guy who's um, absolutely world-class when given his opportunities at the top of the order. Um, and I think that at his price, 120-odd K, he's he's unders and, and could be a guy that's capable of, you know, not necessarily consistently doing it, but certainly going big if you get him at the right time. Um, the other thing is Darcy Short as well. Now, a couple of things I like about Darcy. Now, one, picked up in commentary during a recent one-day match that he's actually been carrying a shoulder injury for the last couple of seasons, which has hurt his bowling. And he seems to have finally been over that. And he's been rolling the arm over a bit more for the West Australian side in their one-day matches and their shield matches, which I like. Um, it's just going to bring him into the game even more. And secondly, just knowing as well that the Hobart Hurricanes are going to be missing a couple of bowlers from their best 11 to start the season. There's every chance that he's bowling more than normal as that six bowler um, in those first few games as well, which is which is particularly good signs. Um Definitely in the fall and gun category. I used to guy that you used to be able to set your watch to that he was scoring runs and taking wickets. So um, certainly options. I don't love their draw, um, but two decent ones at the top of the order there for Hobart. Mm, tell you what, you've got to be good to get something past you, Max. He picked it up in uh, <laughs> early season state cricket commentary. That's why you listen to the SC Playbook podcast because we don't miss a beat. Uh, Fish, what about yourself, mate? McDermott, Short, Wade. Any of them three that you'd be looking to start with or too much of a gamble? Yeah, the un- no, I I pondered Wade for a little bit, but I don't think he'll be worth it in the wicketkeeper position with the other double game week options. Um, Short is the one that I've added to the watch list um, since doing the article a, a little while back. Um, and just looking at it, I, the, the positive in my mind is that I don't think he could do worse than last season. And the fact that he still averaged 51 last yeah. season in a real down year sort of suggests that there is a lot of upside. Um, however, he has been trending down in terms of his average scores since he had that massive year in, I think, eighteen nineteen. So that's a worrying trend. But you look at the reasons for it, um, it was probably just a rough patch of form last season with the, the bat um, not rolling the arm over as much. So I'd expect him to probably get back to a 60-plus average. Um, and thinking about that at the start of the season when we know value is so important, he's a guy who you could build your side around. Um, so I'll give him plenty of consideration, I reckon, before the start of the season in comparison to some of those double gamers. That's it. Even if you like getting on him early, you can watch him game one, see what his role is, uh, see how he's looking, and then 
just get him in even round two or three once there. He's only like a, a team or two teams on the doubles. Could be a really, really big player. We know what he's capable of. Uh, Maxi, one of your boys is in the Spies team to start the season at this stage. Shadab Khan, looking like a masterstroke from the Hurricanes to sign him nice and early. The Pakistani international, huge in the World Cup. Dual bat bowl, 125K. We've got him coming in at number five, potentially could bat number four, probably number five. Uh, are you interested in him for early on? Yeah, I think so. And I think that he's been in a lot of iterations of my team. I did take him out recently just based on draw um, and prioritizing some heat guys who are around that price or are slightly cheaper who've got that round three double game week. Um, but 125K, like we're, we're talking about a guy who could be the highest averaging player in Supercoach if he can get anywhere near what he did in the World Cup. Like, not only is he going to bowl his four overs and be really dangerous with his leg spin, challenging the front pad, challenging the stumps, he's batting anywhere from seven up to potentially number four or even three. Mm. Um, and he can score runs. He, he might not look like a big hitter. Um, but he's got an unorthodox style and he's he's really capable of finding the boundary and scoring quickly. Um, uh, the Hobart team, I think that they're, they've got a lot of batting talent. I actually think they're one of the Smokies to win the whole thing this season. Um, and, and, and you could go a lot worse than, um, than starting Shadab, albeit for me right now, just a draw is the one thing I've just mm. got against him and why I've just taken him out of my team more recently. Uh, Fish, what's your take, mate? Willing to roll the dice? I don't even think you're really rolling the dice. I think he's going to score bloody well. Would you start with him or not? Yeah, I think he's a guy who I do want to start and hold for the duration of the season. Um, Compare that to Darcy Short, who's 20K more. I I would prioritise to dab over him. So, yeah, Maxi really sold me on him with all his previous commentary about him and looking at his record too and the World Cup performances. Yeah, I'll be having a roll with him. And even if he doesn't fire early, you can just you can just hold him and wait for him to come good. So, um, yeah, all, all good to lock him in for me. There'll be some big, big scores in there. Boys, onto the bowlers at the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, Nathan Ellis, Asif Ali, Joel Paris, Chris Jermaine, Riley Meredith, uh, some good super coach names in there on their day. A few things do have to fall their way. Um, probably not any hot property. They'll all be pretty low ownership to start, I think. Maxi, who do you like? Yeah, look, I think there's great options across the board. And I think that the Hobart Hurricanes in this bowling unit, we could be talking about them in 12 months' time as like a unit who really took a big jump. Yeah. Um, and next year, all going to be starting at a premium price, particularly, you know, think back last year, some of those guys at the Scorchers, Agar, um, Ty, they went from like mid-ranges to, to just genuine guns with the performances they've got. Ellis, we could be sitting here talking about the leading wicket-taker in the entire competition, such is his skill. Um, Riley Meredith, already representing Australia, and like, does he take the jump and become that guy who's not only scaring people all the time, but like, can really find that consistency? Um, if, if there are people out there prepared to, to set and forget a guy like Shadab Khan in their, one of their batting slots, you could do a lot worse than setting and forget one of these guys as well um, in your team. Um, just sort of prepared that you're comfortable with that draw. 
The, the one guy I think who's really got my interest to start with is Joel Paris. Um, I think he's around $96,000. Um, last year, started the season at 62.5K, one of those cheapies, and um, made a lot of quick money after some good early form um, before ultimately breaking down, I think, almost in like the second game of the season. Uh, I think that he's going to hold that spot that Tom Rogers vacates after having moved to the Melbourne Renegades. We're talking about a guy, left arm quick, swings the ball early, will be blowing people's pads off um what what he can do and he could be um really make a lot a lot of money in this competition yeah absolute gun uh fish what about for you mate yeah not looking at starting with any of them but i think come the single game week uh could be an option to, to jump on early although sorry do they have a buy early round five i think well? it is Okay, yeah, so after that, um, and just, yeah, listening to your points, Max, I thought I'd check and see where they are in the betting for this season and their third favourites, I see, behind the Scorchers and the Sixers. Yeah, I think that um, feels about right. Yeah, uh, so that, that warrants well for their bowling attack, definitely, um, but I'd be waiting until after round five. Yeah, no, I'll be the same, mate. I definitely peaked the interest, but I think uh, at this stage I'll be looking elsewhere. Nathan Ellis, one that I'll be keeping my eye on for post that buy. Uh, absolute star, and hopefully he's fully fit and ready to go and gets full tournament in. Um, the middle order there, there is Timmy David, who will likely, I mean, he could bat anywhere, but likely to come in at six. I'm sure there'll be stages where he gets promoted up the order for his big hitting. Asif Ali, um, who'd likely be used, obviously, just as a, as a straight batsman. Uh, and unless given yeah, a really prominent role up the top, can't be going near either of those two. Uh, boys, uh, Maxi, something to wait before we, we wrap up. Yeah, just two things. We'll probably get questions on these guys to start the season with, or at least in the midway point. First one is Billy Stanlake. Um, Billy Stanlake, everyone knows the name and what he's done. He's just one of the only humans who's bigger than me, which is um, which is you know, something <laughs> I've just got to applaud him for. Um, but look, I think that he'll be in um, a lot of some people's plans, particularly if he's named in that round one team. Um, I think personally, even before the Big Bash season starts, he's got some injury troubles. Um, And I think that certainly a guy that just avoid, don't pick him on name, even if he is cheap. So just one to make sure you don't fall into the trap. The other is um, Fahim Asharaf, who is Uh, one of the other Pakistanis now. He's he's not in the predicted starting team uh, just because he's going to miss the first three to four rounds because he's playing test match cricket. Um, but a guy who'll probably slot into that number eight spot or number seven spot for the Hobart Hurricanes, and I think his very good value um, at 105k um, could do like that Ashton Agar role, where not only is he bowling his four um, and and contributing um, at the death with some good Yorkers, uh, but could get some late order runs as well. He's he's no slouch with a bat. Yeah, no good pick up there, mate. Fish. Yeah, maybe just one to watch, just looking through their player list. Uh, Paddy Dooley, a lot of people will remember from the uh, COVID-affected Brisbane Heat game. I think he came in for that when they, they caught up all the replacements. He's oh, been yeah. playing in the T10 league uh, in Abu Dhabi. Um, so I'm not sure what the Hurricanes' depth is like, but he's 62.5K, so he gets around, it'll definitely be worth a watch. Paddy Dooley, another huge call. Jeez, I, I'd forgotten about that COVID-impacted game. What a bloody outing that was. Uh, boys, we will wrap that up for our third episode of the preseason. Thank you very much, Maxie. Absolute pleasure as always, Tim. Hope the listeners are as getting excited for the season as I am.
Very unlikely, mate, but I'm sure they're they're excited. (laughs) Uh, And Fish, mate, big on your first appearance of the season. Thanks for having me, mate. And plenty of time to change my mind about Mitch Marsh. So we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in.